friends. We're back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 602, and we are recording on January the 10th. Uh, Brianna, how are you doing? Hanging in there, you know? This year is is interesting already, and we're only a couple weeks in, right? But um, still have some things to look forward to, including some big birthdays coming up in the next week. I think you have one. My husband yeah. has one. You guys share an awesome day on the 20th, so... We do. Everybody send some birthday love over to Asif. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm focusing on yeah. the celebrations coming along. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been been all right. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to being in New York next week for NRF and seeing you before that birthday happens. So that would be good. Um, excited about that and just what's going to be happening at NRF. So, um, you know, should be good times. Yes, we're definitely going to have a, a pregame birthday party here in the city for you. There you go. All righty. Okay, well, let's just jump right into uh, our show for this week. Four stories as usual. I'll let Aubriana kick us off with, I think, an interesting one. Yeah, DoorDash is starting off the year um, with a new product launch, and they are getting into the package pickup business. So this is a feature now that consumers can request a you know return um, so a driver can be can be sent out for a prepaid UPS, USPS, or FedEx package, um, and then return those to a designated location. So the service is costing $5, $3 if you have Dash Pass, Dash Pass subscription. And, um, you know, this is interesting because we're seeing that maybe there's been a little bit of a decline in some of these uh, delivery services in terms of like what they're, um, you know, I would say like what their valuations have been as of as of recently. And so I think they're trying to figure out, well, what else can we do? Where else can we go and expand? And this is obviously um, an area that can be a challenge in the industry at times. There's some other industry players that we're also seeing get into this. Um, Amazon recently announced that it was making box free returns available uh, across a range of locations. And we also saw Walmart that announced some curbside returns and uh, return pickups from home as well. So I think this is interesting. I do feel like this is a great service offering because we all know that it is, it can be a pain to get these things returned at times, right? Like getting something out, having it to drop off. But, um, you know, specifically, maybe if you're like in a city or trying to find where the nearest location is, can sometimes be far. Um, and right after the holidays, right? Like everybody's got some clothes that didn't fit or or something they want to exchange. So I like this. I think that this is um, still very true to what DoorDash's mission and vision is of their business. So I think it's very in line and in keeping with the services and that they've traditionally offered and expanding upon that. Um, but I think it's a good avenue. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a massive revenue generator for them, but I do think that it's something that's a little extra. Um, yeah. So you know, and I and I and I feel like as a consumer. A lot of us are willing to pay, you know, five to 10 bucks to get that return out the door, depending on, on what it is. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a valuable service. I think it's the timing is great right after the holidays. Of course, when people have stuff, you know, I have a, an item I received for Christmas with a gift receipt and like, literally it's been sitting in my car for like seven days as I drive, you know, around the city and back and forth to work or whatever. And I haven't had the time to do it. So, um, yeah, so, so, uh, so I totally get that. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of value. I think the price point is reasonable. Um, you know, and I think, it, you know, for me, it's one of those things too, where like, how do you promote this? Right. I think if there's, 
if you're buying online, if you're shopping online, right, um, then, you know, if they can integrate this service into retailer websites, um, you know, where it's part of the, you know, sort of promotion of, you know, buy this thing online, return in, you know, within 30 days, you know, DoorDash, if you have a DoorDash account, link it up, then I think there could be an interesting, you know, potentially loyalty data play as well uh, for the retailers and um, to kind of gather information uh, from a DoorDash point of view um, that could be useful as well. And, and that's, I don't think is part of this currently, but I think there is a, an interesting data play uh, to look at, you know, what's happening with these returns and who's kind of, you know, signing up for that, um, you know, as part of the, uh, the service, um, you know, and tying that back to, you know, the purchasing data and things like that as well. So it could be interesting, but I, I like it overall. There you go. Okay, on to our second story now. So uh, a number of uh, packaged goods brands uh, have been uh, kind of looking at ways to uh, support or, or give better access to folks who are blind or have low vision uh, or visually impaired um, when they're out shopping in grocery stores and places that carry their products. And in particular, the Kellogg company, the cereal company, uh, is looking to change that. So in the U.S., there are uh, 12 million adults who are blind or have low vision um, and performing daily tasks such as navigating a grocery store aisle or choosing, you know, one cereal over another can be a challenge. Um, and so they have teamed up, Kellogg that is, with a company called NaviLens um, and they're incorporating their technology um, into their packaging. Uh, they're starting with four cereal brands, the iconic ones, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, Special K, uh, Rice Krispies, and Crispix. Um, so very, very popular brands. And essentially what will happen is on the boxes themselves are printed um, these special Nabulens optical smart codes, which is uh, made up of a very high contrast, um, colorful square, kind of like a QR code, if you will. Um, but the, the, the background is black and then it's got like this high contrast color in it and they're designed to work with the NaviLens app, which folks, uh, who, uh, you know, are dealing with these, uh, these issues, uh, you know, have and are aware of. Um, and one of the cool things about it, unlike a QR code where you have to go up and scan it, you know, with the camera app on your phone. If you have the NaviLens app on your phone, uh, it's able to pick up these um, these NaviLens codes, uh, these optical smart codes, from a, quite a distance away. So uh, up to um, like several feet away, doesn't have to even be a direct, you know, sort of front-on view. It can pick up pick it up from angles. Um, and so, you know, it can pick up the thing, then it can give you sort of like, you know, clearer directions on, you know, where to walk to to get that. You can hear the names of the products, how to navigate to them, the size of the packaging, uh, like, you know, portions, size, you know, what size box uh, it is, uh, nutritional information, all of that, and in 36 languages too. So I think this is incredible, like applaud, you know, brands like Kellogg's uh, for jumping on this and, and, and doing these kinds of things. And they're not the only ones doing it. I read another story as I was researching this one that Coca-Cola in uh, the UK and Great Britain uh, over Christmas uh, launched NaviLens on their multi-packs of, uh, of products on, on the cardboard casing, uh, you know, around the, the packages, you know, the 12 packs or the 24 packs or whatever of, of Coke products. 
um, uh, with the same same technology. So um, it's it's really cool. Um, and like I said, you can pick up these codes from up to four meters away, uh, just through you know an angular view of the you know the app picking it up. So incredibly powerful technology, incredibly helpful technology. I think this is great. Any thoughts? No, I like this trend that we've been seeing. I feel like over you know the past probably year, we've reported on several different features and rollouts that are helping hearing impaired, visually impaired, um, or challenged, you know, um, people be able to just have access to normal things. We talked about like Wave Map with um, DC Metro and being able to navigate the, you know, public transportation system. And so I like that more and more brands and consumer brands specifically are, are thinking about how can they reach a broader audience. And, um, you know, I feel like at some point we're going to see uh, perhaps a standard when it comes to any type of labeling or packaging or wayfinding um, that's kind of laid out and, and hopefully followed so that there's some consistency across all of this. And I, I feel like that's an opportunity for, um, you know, somebody to kind of go in and like create that standard, you know, just like we have standards and other packaging and advertising for, um, you know, other probably like more marketing focus reasons. Now maybe we'll have something for access reasons. Um, so it's a it's a great story. It's it's something that's needed, and I think that like we're just kind of laying the foundation, and we have a lot to to look forward to, and probably more to report on in the yeah. Later. No, I, I completely agree with your standards comment because there are a lot of other technologies out there. I know Microsoft's playing in this space. I know a company called Locatify. I did some work with a little while ago is using ultra wideband technologies in, inside of buildings, you know, to help with visually impaired navigation. So there's lots of ways to go about this problem, but I, li I like this, the simplicity of this packaging solution. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go over to more of a data centric story um, and back to sort of marketing and advertising at its roots here. And a new partnership has been announced with Meta, and that is the likes of IRI. If you're not familiar with IRI, IRI provides um, consumer data goods at a local level. Um, so this is for like how brands are selling and really can tie the impact of any digital advertising um, to specific in-store uh, purchase behaviors. So, you know, marketers now that are using Meta's Facebook and Instagram platforms can have access to this brand and product level sales as results of their campaigns. Um, you know, and this is through IRIs, it's called ANSA measurement solution. Um, so they have this repository of product level sales data across retailers, and that is obviously localized as well. So the, the software can provide that hyper level targeting from maybe an audience kind of targeting segmentation, uh, recommendation and optimization feature um, based on the campaign parameters, but it could also help with measurement as well. Um, so, you know, I think this has been a challenge to date. I think CPG is a, a very big challenge because you can you know, there's been ways that we've talked about for years on how marketers and advertisers are able to, um, you know, locally segment and measure footfall traffic, for example, but tying it to a specific product. For example, I go into a CVS and I buy a specific beauty brand or um, I go into a grocer and I buy a specific brand of milk or cheese or something like that, right? You've got, it's very difficult to do. Um, we've also seen recently that retailers are starting to monetize their sales data. I know we talked about that a little bit um, in a few stories uh, or, you know, a few weeks ago with one of our stories, but these media networks that are offering these advertising options as well. So we're we're continuing to see growth in first party data and that becoming more important obviously with cookieless future and 
Um, I think that there was a drastic impact to Facebook marketing when it came, um, well, prior to it being meta, when it was Facebook marketing, that it was highly impacted with the changes that iOS made, right, with tracking and, and all of that. So this is one of those things that they're starting to implement. I think the biggest shock for me, honestly, is is that Meta is just now integrating with IRI. I feel like this has been a standard in many, um, you know, many DSPs, many advertising companies that have been doing this digitally have been integrated with IRI for a long time. So um, I think that was my shock here. Not that this is really new, it's not a new offering, but just more that this is just now rolling out. Um, but obviously like anything that you can track and measure, I feel like uh, being able to prove that your marketing dollars and the budget that you're spending digitally works is, is increasingly important. That's a big trend that's happening with marketers and advertisers, and they have to be held accountable. And so they have to hold accountable those systems that they're using. So this is just another one of those, um, you know, measurement and targeting features that I feel is, is necessary to be able to do that. I got nothing to add to that. I think you're like, a thousand percent bang on like it's absolutely what the industry needs i'm also surprised that it's taken so long but i do think like more and more now like the the privacy changes that you alluded to there what we've talked about you know uh at nauseum for the last year and, and a bit what's coming with google's changes now uh it just means that you know we need to rely you know the weighting has to be totally different right and rely much more on purchase behavior data and other things to tie this back and, and look for, you know, those linkages between the advertising and the, and the sales. So totally, totally agree. All right. Final story now. So we're going to talk about Unilever now and specifically their ice cream business um, and some interesting things that they're doing around helping the, the retailers that are selling their products uh, deal with, uh, you know, inventory and restocking. And so, um, they've launched this new, um, tool, um, and it's called ice cream ET ERTM or electronic route to market, uh, where retailers can order stock, uh, transfer payment electronically, monitor the selling of their stock, and then, uh, integrate that with browsing, you know, offers and discounts. So we're all tied together. And so the idea here is, is to streamline the sort of whole process from, what's on the shelf and what's being sold, um, you know, whether that's in a, a smart freezer or a regular freezer or, or what have you, um, right back to, you know, having, you know, sort of real-time ordering and fulfillment and, and getting those shelves restocked quickly. And, you know, like the, there's times, you know, where, you know, you walk into a grocery store and you hit the ice cream aisle and everything's sold out or they had a promotion on and it's all gone. And it's, you know, and it takes them like, you know, three, four days, at least here anyways, you know, before they've restocked those shelves. And so, you know, they're potentially list, m missing out on, you know, all sorts of uh, additional sales and revenue um, by not being able to, you know, you know, fulfill that quickly uh, and understanding what the stock levels are and, and how that's tied to discounts and promotions and things like that. So the app provides real-time sort of data insights on, on the transactions, on the sales, um, it highlights, obviously, because it has that data, you know, which products are selling faster than others and kind of showing the trends uh, of what's happening that way. Um, and so there's a lot of data around this. It also has some functionality built in that connects uh, and uses WhatsApp uh, tied into the app uh, that where the, um, the, the staff can send messages and prompts to restock 
core products or send recommendations for you know stock levels directly to you know the fulfillment centers and things like that. It's interesting that they didn't build their own messaging functionality. They just integrated WhatsApp functionality into this app, which I think is super cool. Uh, you know, why build you know what already exists? Uh, and lastly, uh, that I want to touch on, there's a number of other features in their platform around um, you know uh, the smart freezers that they're that some of their retailers are using that have automatically throwing out data and, and information and alerts this way. But one piece in in their Latin American operations for Unilever, they're using location data um, where uh, the customers can um, set a distance uh, for a warehouse distribution. Um, and so they ran this this sort of pilot where they had 1,200 retail partners. They can make orders through a virtual sales rep, you know, using the WhatsApp WhatsApp messaging piece. And then once the order is placed, a team at the distribution uh, center can prepare it in in 60 minutes and then deliver it, you know, uh, in like special cooling backpacks uh, and get that to the store within four hours uh, to ensure that they're restocked that quickly. So. It's not just about the information flow. It's also about like the fulfillment and getting that, you know, in a timely fashion. And they say in the pilot, as a result, sales increased by 25% due to increased frequency of delivery and drop size. So pretty cool. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have a ton to add of this. I, I think that like at the end of the day, you're like, it's ice cream, but to think about, well, where can this expand to? And again, you know, I guess this will, uh, minimize the amount of times I would be able to tell my kids, like, oh, so sorry, they're out. I guess we're going to have to, like, you know, reel that sugar <laughs> craving back in. Um, the but excuse I, is yeah, gone. Yeah, that's too bad. But I think that what's really cool about this, too, is that they, I, I do like that they're using WhatsApp. Specifically, I think that it's culturally appropriate because of the adoption rate of WhatsApp in Latin America. Um, and it's so widely used and adopted. And I and I do think that, you know, there's there is mass adoption here in the States, but um, certainly like in Latin America, it is widely used. And so again, as you mentioned, like just not recreating the wheel, not building your own um, way to exchange information, but using what's already widely adopted, widely used, and you know, not having to reteach anybody any systems, uh, I think it's like a, a really great uh, feature that they they wrapped into this in terms of how they rolled it out. So I'd like to see how else this could be adopted and used for restocking. Yeah, I think it's 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 fascinating, and, and I can see a lot of other retailers uh, and packaging companies jumping on technology like this. And it could be an interesting combination, even too, to tie in something like this with you know what you just talked about with IRI and, and Meta. Yeah, absolutely. Even more real time. <laughs> even more real time. So there you go. So that's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening and watching. Uh, you've been listening to episode six hundred and two of Location Weekly. Uh, if you're in New York next week uh, at NRF, reach out to Abriana and I. We would love to connect with you in some way. Um, if you have story ideas, let us know about those too. I did get one this week, by the way. Um, so we will uh, address that in an upcoming show. And uh, we'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.